Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, where we are dedicated to making you a better tech seller, sharing tried and true sales strategies and answering your questions weekly. What's up, Brian? Hey, Bobby. Here we are. We're wrapping up Series 24. This is Episode 3 of Meeting Prep 2.0. This is all about the follow-up. So, so far, we have covered two other topics. We've In Episode 1, we covered the prepare phase. In Part 2, we covered the plan phase. And this is all about the follow-up phase. Um, we covered a lot of topics. And it was similar maybe to our first series a long, long time ago. But that first series was all about really how we approach that first customer interaction, somebody we've never met, somebody who's a big bet for us. We spent a lot of times in the a lot of time in the weeds and we covered a lot of topics. This one's more about the kind of the day to day or our, our normal customer interactions and meetings that we have. Kind of new customers and prospects, the recurring customer meeting that we have and the kind of how we would handle an executive briefing. We've in the prepare phase we kind of talked about all the things we would do and we kind of did some real time preparation. Uh, we provided a checklist on, on how to do that meeting preparation. Then in the second se- second part of this series, we covered how you really should plan, and that was really planning with your team, um, creating a meeting plan, what you're going to talk about, how you're going to accomplish it, do you create an agenda, not create an agenda, and then how do you practice and prepare everybody uh, to go do the plan that you built. And this week, we're going to talk all about follow-up. Uh, we, we, we all have our preferences, and, and I, I love this part. This, to me, feels like the the game of sales. Uh, I like to go into a meeting with a, a thought out. Obviously, I love to prepare, and I love to have the plan, but I, I in that planning, I'm planning on how I'm going to follow up. I'm planning on how I'm going to get them bought in to my, my wants and needs as it relates to what I want to accomplish. Brian, at a high level, when you think of follow-up, we've already planned, we've already prepared. What do you, what do you think about from a follow-up perspective? I think about structure. I think about how do I, um, how do I leave that meeting? Well, I'll go into it, of course, with a plan, but how do I leave that meeting with something chunky, something like an action on their side, an action on my side, um, a, a, a learned pain, a new relationship, uh, a new lead in another direction? I think like what... If I'm going to make the most out of this, what do I come out of this meeting and have them doing for me and me doing for them? No doubt. I definitely feel like this is an art to go in with these things in your head where you're prepared to ask for something. You're not just going in. Too often when people don't prepare and they don't plan, they go in and they quote unquote wing it. They're looking for opportunity. Gotcha. They're looking for how many more they want to buy. But they don't have these other things in mind, like how do I get sure, make sure they're bought in, the customer, how do, how do I make sure they're bought in? And to me, that's where I, I make them have an action. We also, if we're, if we're not doing a good job, we're not thinking about other things, we might want to grow our relationship in the account. And so it, it truly is an art. Um, and we wanna make sure that the customer is engaging with us. And that's, we do that through follow-up. Um, we do that through managing our partners and how we're interacting with them in these deals. Uh, average reps, winging it reps, don't do these things for sure. Yep, they don't have a good solid plan for their uh, for their customer um, follow up. You know, you'll ask them about uh, how did that meeting with so and so go? What were the action items that came out of it? They're thinking back because there's been no record of that meeting. There's been no follow up email since. Um, just the basic blocking and tackling, Bobby gets missed all the time. 
Yeah, a lot of that we're not going to talk about, but I've always had a 24-hour rule, right? If I, if I went on a meeting and I had the meeting, I, I follow up with that customer within 24 hours. Look, we're not that busy where it takes us four or five days to follow up. There might be items that take four or five days, but get that, get that follow-up out, get that conversation started, and get those action items in flight so that that timeline begins to move so that you can start closing that deal. That's the ultimate goal. Indeed. So there's three pots, parts of this episode. We want to we, we want to teach you how to start thinking about follow-up while you're doing the planning phase. So last week we talked all about the plan. We kind of hinted to some of the follow-up things that you should be thinking about. But we're going to talk through some of those things. We're going to talk about how follow-up doesn't begin with a quote, right? No matter what you want or what the customer wants you to, to send them, Quoting is not the first step. If you do that, you're probably going to be way behind in the deal. You're probably going to be helping your competitor, and it's not where you want to be. And and if you do this right and you're well above average, this is the opportunity where you can create more demand, more opportunity, and put some velocity in your deals that are in your pipeline and get the customer more bought in than ever. But you got to be really good at it. So let's get started. So let's do it. The- the planning phase that what we talked about last week is the greatest opportunity to start building your follow-up. So if you think about leaving a meeting, we want to leave that meeting and we want to have agreed to some action items or a timeline with our customer. We've done all kinds of shows and, and conversations about how we get that customer bought in and how we build some of that timeline with them. But let's assume we've created a plan and we want to create Obviously, we want to create opportunity. We want an introduction to another business unit, and we want to try and get a chink in the armor with the competition on something yep. that we're not a part of. We'll just talk about those three things at a high level. So that's part of our plan, and we and maybe we want to elevate our partner. That's, we'll talk about partners, Brian. I know you love that I love partners. So um, <laughs> I didn't know how you're going to weave it into this one. But we've already found a way. So we we're going to elevate that partner in some way, and then we're going to do these other few items. Well, that's. The, the, that's our plan. If we cover these items, what are the things that we want the customer to do? So maybe the partner wants their leadership team to meet with the customer. So that's my ask. And in the meeting, I can't just nonchalantly say, hey, their executive wants to meet with you You guys. We want to bring them in. You, you have to have a better plan than that. And it's not just a lunch. So you, you, you ask them, can't, would you be open to meeting them? Yes. Can we agree that you'll meet with them in the next 10 days? That, that puts some, some sort of a, a stake out in the ground out in the future. Uh, let's assume we found opportunity. We have our due diligence to, to show value, create demos, plan the solution. That, that's going to be a timeline that's going to build itself. Introduction to another business unit. Uh, I'd like to meet so-and-so. You've asked for some concessions here and there, so you're going to introduce me to so-and-so. Can we agree that that introduction is going to happen within the same 10 days uh, of when we meet with the partner executives? And then finally, you've committed a couple times to send me your org chart. I haven't seen it. Can you, before we start any of those other things, I'll, I'll ask you to send me your org chart. Uh, and then we'll say, I'll have that before Friday this week. And yes, okay, so they agree. So now I've collected really four things that start to build this dialogue and this timeline that if I go home and follow up within 24 hours with this customer, I've got them sending me their org chart. I've got a partner executive conversation that's going to happen in the next 10 days. I've got a couple other follow-up items, and then i got this pipeline that I've built and all the things that come with that. That should keep me very busy with this customer. 
Yeah, Bobby, the things I think about are what is, what's the next marketing event that we have that kind of fits what we're trying to sell them that we think that where the pain exists. I'm thinking about when can we do discovery? You talked about finding a chink in the armor. If we're able to schedule a discovery session or just a learning session with them, then we can that will help amplify the opportunity for us to find challenges in there that we can help solve. Um, I'm, and then I, what I want to do is I want to act in the meeting itself. Like so often we find ourselves in the room with them and their laptop as well to where we can find uh, them in a spot where they can look at their calendar and say, yes, next Tuesday at three o'clock works or yes, on the 23rd at two o'clock works for us. And we just did that in real time where we were planning on doing some more recording. And instead of, instead of starting and then figuring it out later on, we just opened calendars, put them on there. It's so much easier, so much better. We might have punted and then missed the whole week of opportunity to record. So it's very good to do that in real time. And that can look like the first step of follow-up in your follow-up email as a completed item. We agreed we would meet. We put this on the date. And that's the next big milestone in that follow-up activity. They can, it can be easy, too, like send me contact information for so-and-so. Send NDA. me a number. Yes, yeah, yeah. send me an NDA. Your your legal team's going to look at my master services agreement. How long will that take? Boom, I got another date. All these things drive action. Um, and either and we all know customers have been known to fib or uh, over embellish and not meet their expectations or their their own timelines. But that gives you the ability to hold them accountable. If I tell you I'll have this to you by Friday and I don't. Friday at 5.01, you have the right to ask me why I don't have it to you. Yep. Bobby, what if that follow-up from them is a request for a quote? Well, Brian, I would send them the quote. Hell no, I wouldn't <laughs> send them the quote. Normally, they just want pricing. They want to they test the waters. They want to see where you're starting at. If you fall into that trap of just sending them a quote, we, we've talked about it dozens of times. All you're doing is helping someone else, probably by providing your quote. That's the opportunity to ask for discovery. That's the opportunity to be the above average sales rep. That's the, that's the chance for you to say, man, I'd love to send you a quote. What are you trying to accomplish? And then hold them accountable. Um, if, you, if you fall into the trap of them saying, hey, send me your standard pricing for all your SKUs. Uh, back in the Microsoft days, they'd say, send me, send me the minimal enterprise agreement that I can buy. Well, that's that's you can think of the core package but there's so many options there you're going to be setting precedents that maybe this is going to cost eighty five ninety thousand dollars a year and what they really need is going to cost 150 and you're never going to get to that number you're never going to be able to make the 150 stuff fit into the 90 um so you're up against a bunch of problems if you fall into that trap and if they don't want to do discovery with you if they don't want to help you build the right proposal and the quote you're not selling at that point. You're just, you're a fulfillment arm and you're not going to provide any value to that customer. Yeah, I think about it a couple of ways. I think there are some companies to where you know that we're probably not going to get anywhere out of this meeting, right? Like maybe I worked really hard for this meeting, but it's not going to produce fruit. They're, they're not, maybe I'm not at the right level. Um, and they're asking for a quote just to appease me to sound like they're interested, but they're not at all interested those are the meetings that I'm trying to get out of as fast as possible because it's a waste of their time and it's a waste of my time. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm done with the account. It just means that I need to level up or level laterally. You know, I need to find someone that actually does have a pain. And then there's like, then there's another type of customer that I'm more interested in that's asking for a quote because they are genuine, genuinely interested in the product, 
but they just don't know yet how we're going to make the business case work and rationalize the business case, right? Like we're going to be more expensive or we're going to be as expensive or it's going to take too long to get an ROI in their mind. And that's where, to your point, Bobby, that's where I'm thinking like, what steps can I do minimally? What steps can I do to help prove a business case so that when they do see our price, they see it in the right context? Yeah, this is, I would say when people get out sold too, because if you're just doing that, then, then you don't sound and look very professional, right? Like, okay, I'll send you a quote, and then you send it, and it's, again, it can be on the other end of the spectrum too. They're expecting 20K, and your first quote comes in at 200K. Um, it, it is going to create a whole bunch of problems. How, how, how would you decline it, Brian? If we, were, we did some role-playing in episode one and two, what would be a good approach by which you would tell the customer that you're simply not going to send them that quote? Well, there's a couple of ways I could address it. And I'm, I'm measuring sophistication of the clients. There's a lot of things I'm measuring in this, right? But one way could be to say, I'd love to get there. Here's how we get there. And I'll lay out the meetings that need to occur before we can get it. Oftentimes, though, I will give a range to them. Um, because, you know, there are, there are cases, Bobby, where um, that we could do a lot of work, but they could never, you know, like it's the Tesla business case, right? There are some people that love a Tesla, and you could you can build an ROI spreadsheet and you can say, okay, I'm gonna save this much in gas and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna be efficient here and that's gonna reduce costs there. But at the end of the day, you still have to write an eighty thousand dollar check to go buy a Tesla, right? So what I'm trying to do is measure are they can they are do they have the level of sophistication that would allow them to even write that check to begin with? That's one of the things I'm measuring too. And and maybe they're not even the right person that can cash that check or write that check. That's a that's another thing we need to be thinking about who is power um but when you say you're going to give them a range you're not giving them an executable quote you're not even giving them a draft quote you're just saying like i hear you say you i hear you say you want a tesla but you do understand that if we go down and we do all these meetings that we need to do we do all this discovery we have to do we're talking somewhere between 75k and 110k if you want leather inside right like there's a pretty big broad gap and that range is going to be broad because we don't want to pigeonhole ourselves into saying it's going to cost 80 grand because they're going to have wants and needs that mean 80 grand is probably not the right number either. Right. Okay. So we talked a lot about, you know, the kind of the, the, the planning of the follow-up that's going to get us on the right path during the meeting. And then we've talked about why the follow-up isn't the quote. It's if they ask for a quote, it's a real opportunity. I would say nine times out of 10, so, so you want to be diligent, but you want to handle it like a professional. You don't want to get outsold. And then let's talk a little bit about how we use the follow-up process to create demand and opportunity, maybe on things that we weren't thinking about or the customer wasn't thinking about. Um, I'm currently working with a number of people from the largest CRM company in the world, right? They have so many pieces of software that, I doubt customers know everything that Salesforce does, right? I just, there's just no way they know. Uh, And I've learned a lot working with this team of people, but let's assume Salesforce, we know them as CRM. We know them maybe as force.com, the service management stuff they have, the, the, the digital marketing stuff that they have, the, the chat bots that they can put on websites, the thing they can do with customer service. It's amazing that, that I didn't know about all that stuff. So I would suspect customers don't know about it and they have competition. So 
let's just use them as an example. I'm working with a sales manager. I want to meet the marketer. I want to meet customer service. There's a million things that I could ask for that would lead me to creating this other demand and other opportunity. If we do the planning right, I could go and I'm a, a Salesforce sales rep. I can go to their website, see if they do have a chat bot, see if I can learn anything for digital marketing. Something that I thought was really cool that I picked up recently, Brian, there's a plugin for Chrome, if you're a Chrome builder, called Built With. It's a two words all together, Built With Technology. And if you open a person's website with Built With in it, it'll tell you everything that's on that website, from a Facebook chatbot to Office hmm. 365 to whatever's in there, you get to learn what it's built with. So if you sell any cloud-based or web-based technologies and you haven't heard of Built With, go plug that in. It tells you everything that the customer is using on their website, which, again, gives you the opportunity to uncover things that you could do for them that they're maybe not buying from you. And, and the way this really helps your overall pursuit in the account is let's say that, let's say you've got some sort of um, <clears throat> business case that you're helping them establish. The more people you can have rowing the same direction within a company, the better chance you have of solving the overall deal. So Bobby, to your point, if you're speaking to, let's say that first meeting was with the customer service team because you're selling, you know, you're looking to sell a customer service opportunity. If they get you introduced into marketing, into the operations team, then you have a much better chance of establishing a, a much bigger project that maybe meets your deal minimums that you need to get sold on a broader deal. Well, and I found that in the, in the Microsoft days when you kind of got the database administrator on your side, you kind of got the, the data center people on your side, you kind of got the end user compute people on your side. Once things started getting to be like you wanted two or three components of the five or six that were there, it was a no-brainer. Like there was the math was no longer a problem, and the same thing happens today. Especially uh, if you can find synergies. Where on one of these coaching calls I had recently, the customer's website said our inclusive platform is the only way that a customer should go because if the data is all in one place, you're going to win. And we use that in our in our sales call to tell the customer, why would you be using two products, one for sales and one for customer marketing and one for customer service when you're, you tout the same thing to your customers? Like, how would you ask me to, how should I ask you to buy my stuff if you're asking me to buy into your message? Um, it, it, it's kind of a no brainer uh, if you can find something like that that's gonna go a long way for you in your sales cycle. Agree. So obviously we want that opportunity. Uh, we're going to have a few minutes of time to try and uncover things that maybe we're not the incumbent on. And we need to try and use these follow-up items in a, both that we've planned for and the things that we haven't planned for. We might find in real time with our customer to figure out how we can drive opportunity. And my go-to in every customer meeting that's, again, fairly new, what's, what do you, and this isn't like what keeps you up at night. This is like if you did, if you thought I could solve one thing for you, maybe if you didn't even think I could solve one thing for you, what's going on right now that I could put my mind power into, or maybe the partners could help me with to help you feel a little bit freer during the day, a little bit less cumbersome. Um, you'd be surprised what customers would share and have no idea that you can solve those. And then that creates a whole nother set of follow-up items that you can go talk to and go after as well. So it's not I, just about those small things. Yeah, and Bobby, the things I'm looking for are, we talked about planning in the first 
episode of this. Um, I'm looking for bold statements they make on their website. Maybe they're trying to, or in their 10K, uh, maybe they're trying to double their size over the next five years. Maybe they're trying to take over a big competitor, you know, and become the number one guy or the number two guy in the marketplace. So I'm, I'm looking at kind of what, what things are they stating and then how are they going to be able to achieve that? And if I can bring those topics up in the meeting, it usually turns into a pretty interesting conversation. And then I'll kind of have some customer case studies and they're ready. So maybe we have, you know, at Workday, we have Custom Inc. who grew 40% without adding a single person to the back office. So I kind of have those stories ready to go with the tip of my tongue so that whenever I talk to them about the business statements that they've made, and I ask them, inquire with them about how they're going to be able to achieve that. How are you going to be able to scale? How are you going to be able to be more efficient in your business? Um, they'll either have really good answers or they'll be looking for your help. Yeah, and let's assume things go well and we've got these opportunities to follow up on so-and-so or such-and-such. They've got an introduction. They want us to do a demo. That's all great. What if What if it goes bad? I've seen too many people not the ones we want to ex- extract ourselves from, but you know, we've tried the customers kind of quiet. They don't want to follow up. I still think there's ways you can put dates on the calendar by saying, look, I know you don't need anything right now, but it would be, would it be okay if I followed up with you in 60 days and that we went to lunch and talked about kind of the way the project's going. You just bought a bunch of new technology. We follow up on how that's going. There's going to be new stuff from my company. We're a real player. You can't just ignore us forever. Whatever that might be, if you get them bought in, then then at least you have the right to quote unquote bother them again. And they, if they make the commitment to you, I, I like to say that that's a commitment and use it against them if you have to to say we're going to go meet. I know that in tech territories change often, uh, companies change often, but the team I manage. Many of them have been working in the same territory for three or four years, and there are relationships they've established years ago, Bobby, that are producing good fruit because they did just that. You know, the system they bought five years ago when they first met with that company four and a half years ago, the customer's like, no way I'm changing. I just installed this. But you know what? You look up and it's 2020, middle of 2020, and their business has changed, but that, that sales rep has been uh, consistent with them and professional with them and courteous with them and done the right follow-up stuff to where there's a legitimate deal now. And I've seen well, that come to fruition. We don't want to wish anything bad on anybody, but who would have thought we were living in the world we're living in now? Yeah, This is, this is right in the middle of COVID-19, if you're listening later on in, in the year. But who would have thought that we would be so remote, that we would be so disconnected, and that so many different technologies would be as disparsed as they are. I've heard stories from friends where they they've just bought a 20 story building. They, they sent everybody home. They took every computer computer out of those buildings and they're not going back. They're not going to go back to that building. They're going to work from home. They've, they've figured out how to do it. And so the world is changing. Technology is changing and, and you never know what's going to happen with something bad, maybe like COVID or something good that changes the way the people work for sure. No doubt. So in my opinion, this has been a fantastic series. Hopefully you guys have all enjoyed it again, the kind of reboot on Meeting Prep 2.0. In short, I'll say sales is not easy. None of this stuff is easy. And you've got to be kind of tactical and to have a little bit of tenacity if you want to make sure all this stuff goes good for you. You have to have some thick skin and a strong work ethic. Hopefully our tools will help you. If you haven't checked those tools out, you 
clearly haven't been listening, but go to www.techcellshow.com slash tools and download all our free tools out there. Uh, we've got a meeting prepare toolkit. We've got a meeting plan toolkit. And now we're going to add a meeting follow-up toolkit as well. Uh, lots of free templates and things out there for you to use. Um, and anything to add, Brian, before we wrap this series up and send everybody home? I'll say it's kind of tangentially related to this. If you're, let's say you're working two or three deals right now and you've got some prospects that are kind of on the edge and you don't feel like you have some really good concrete steps and you don't feel like the process is really clear, take a minute and look at this follow-up kit and, and just write a follow-up email and refresh where you're at on every one of your deals and just take a quick step. The, the reorganizing yourself and putting the action items down on email out to a customer is the it can be one of the most refreshing activities that you can do to get a customer back reengaged. And I think customers appreciate it. If you show them that through your follow-up and through your activity that you're going to help them be successful and you're not just going to try and sell them more stuff, I think they'll appreciate it. I, I We use the example of cable companies and all that all the time, but if you had if you had someone come into your house to do work and they laid out a plan and they stuck to that plan and it didn't slip, you would appreciate that as a consumer who buys things from people. It would mean a lot to you. Yep. So with that, we'll wrap it up. Don't hesitate to send us an email with your ideas and topics or questions. Info at techsaleshow.com or shoot us a note on LinkedIn. As always, average is the enemy. Average sucks. Don't be average, people. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Subscribe to our email list at www.techsaleshow.com and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Tech Sales Show. Until next week, average is the enemy.